Okay. Welcome everybody back post Pesach to our new time, Wednesdays, 10 a.m. Thank you to my video team for quickly arranging your schedule at the last minute to be here. And of course, today is we have a lot to learn and a lot to do. Today is a very big day. Of course, it's Yom Atzmaut, which means that yesterday was Yom Azikaron. And um, that means that we reflect upon the tremendous sacrifice it has taken uh, Amisol to uh, hold to, to build Eretzisrol, to bring Eretzisrol to a place of where it's really thriving tremendously, although it is not without sacrifice, it's not without pain and tragedy. I think I read that 33 people were murdered between last Yom Asmod and this Yom Asmod in terrorist attacks. And the love for Eretzisrol among the survivors, among the bereaved, um, is astonishing. Uh, their devotion and uh, commitment is just something Astonishing. May we all here in Chutzlarts be Zochet to be among the people that live in Eretz Yisrael as, as their primary residence. Okay, we're going to do a lot of, we're going to tackle a lot of important ideas today. Okay. Revolving around Sphere Omer, even bringing in the, the Parsha, Kadoshim, and of course, much of what we talk about today, the, one of the key ideas today is the gift of the secret weapon. So today's class is dedicated by Anna Sperling in honor of the 14th yardstick of her mother, Zelda Itka Bas Chaim Yisrael HaKohen on the 5th of year today. By Shura, I asked Tanya, who is Shura? She said she doesn't know her last name. Therefore, whoever you are, Shura, please contact us and tell us who you are. Le'iloi Nishmas, her father, Tzvi Mayor Ben Shraga. Okay, these are the questions that we are tackling today. And... Hopefully, we will answer in a way that is um, intellectually and emotionally stimulating and gratifying. Okay. Why do we count Sphere Somer? It seems like a simple question. Everybody learns it. Let's go into it in more depth. Why do we count Sphere Somer? Question about that. Why do we count up from the Omer and not down from Matan Torah? Famous question, right? Why do we say today is the first day since the Omer, the second day since the Omer, the third day since the Omer? Why don't we say 49 days to Matan Torah, 48 days to Matan Torah, 47 days, right? Obvious question. Second of all, we're counting from the Omer, which is the day after Pesach. Why is Firsa Omer? It's a mitzvah doraisa. Is it or is it not related to Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? Is it Zecher Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim or is it a separate mitzvah? We are not mentioning Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, we're counting from the Omer, which is like a separate a separate thing that we are counting towards, which is, it seems to us that the carbon Ha'omer, which is, everyone knows this, barley, animal food, and eventually we get to bread, and we're going from a, a lower state to a higher state. And so it has to do with our anticipation of our... We have to look very carefully, parse the words, as we'll see of the Rambam and the Sefer Chinah. Okay. Then once we get through that, we're going to say what we're going to get into uh, a association of Sphere Omer with the 49 Share Bina. Everyone knows this idea. There's 50, but nobody really got to know all 50. Uh, one is reserved. That's beyond human, humans' ability to understand, but Moshe Rabbeinu learned all 49. What does the 49 Share Bina have to do with the Sphere of Omer? Okay. There are 49 days, obviously. Right. What is the connection between, as we will see, the seven spherot of the ten? The first three are called the intellectual ones, but the seven spherot, Chesed, Gavura, Teferes, Netzach, 
Hold your sword and Malchus. What do the seven spheres have to do with the 49 Shari Bina? Obviously, seven, 49, right? Seven. And we all know that in Sirius Omer, we are going through each Midah, Chesed, then we do Chesed, 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 right? So, what is the seven times seven equaling 49 of spheres have to do with the 49, which is Shari Bina? We're obviously getting into more Kabbalistic areas, correct? Next. What is the link between Sirius Omer and Rabbi Kiva students? How does that come in? And we're going to then talk about today, and, uh, and we're going to talk about Kavod and Tov, two very important ideas, and we're talking about today. And when we talk about Rabbi Akiva students, it's going to link to today because we're going to see a very interesting historical association between the death of Rabbi Akiva students, which is very strange. 24,000 people died in a month. How many people died every day if 24,000 people died in 33 days? 700-ish people died a day. There were 700 Levites a day, and it was much smaller than it is today, like the, the population. And each of them has a mother, a father, a sister, so many people that are mourning. Them. Yeah, so what does it mean? Interesting, we're going to see an interesting association between the failed revolt of Bar Kokhva and his attempt to retain control of Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Kiva's support for Bar Kokhva, and an interesting association between the students of Rabbi Kiva and the defeat of Bar Kokhba. And maybe they all go together, okay? And that has a lot of relevance to today because that's a battle, that's an insurrection, that's a mutiny against the Romans in order to maintain autonomy in Eretz Yisrael. It was a battle for the land, like we are still forging, uh, fighting today. Okay, so we have a lot of ideas that we hope can pull them all together. We're going, we're going on, you know, this is one of these, get on the speed train, because here we go, okay? All right, number one, let's start with Sefiris Omer. Sefer HaChinuch 306. This is why you have to read Mitzvah 306. You have to read every word carefully. The Chinuch was a reshon. You got to read carefully, okay? Mishar Sheha Mitzvah, the root of the Mitzvah, okay? Watch, Altsad HaPshat. He makes it very clear. This is just the Pshat. He's not going to go into the drush. He just wants to tell you the pshat. But the pshat, he, he brings, we're going to see that he explains what it is, and he brings a pasuk to prove it. Then we're going to compare it to the Rambam, who brings a totally different pasuk, and talks about it a different way. Okay, so according to the Sefer Chinuch, this is what we all learn, and we're familiar with. According to pshat, the essence of the Jewish people is Torah. And mipnei ha-Torah nivru shemaim arts. We will get to that. And from the Torah, okay, it was mipnei uh, ha-Torah, because of the purpose of the Torah, that it, that it should exist in the world, it should be practiced in the world. That's why God created the world. It sounds like what famous idea? Because of the Torah, Hashem created the world. What famous idea have you heard a million times? Right. Hashem looked in the Torah and created the world. So we'll get there. And uh, it says in Yirmiyahu, if not for my bris, my covenant, there'd be no purpose to existence. Okay. And therefore, ha'ikar v'hasiba shenigalu v'yatsumi Mitzrayim, k'deshi kablu Torah, the purpose of Yitzhiyaz Mitzrayim is that they should accept Torah. Now, let's just zoom out for a second, a little bit of a tangent. Ready? Why'd they go into Mitzrayim? So they should come out of Mitzrayim, should accept Torah. If you had to zoom out completely, all right, about Kabbalah Satora, which we are going to be talking about in the next few weeks, you have to understand something strange, extremely odd. 
There is not one mention in Sefer Bereshis to Avos, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, with all the promises Hashem made and all the assurances about the future. Never does it say in Sefer Bereshis that Hashem is going to give us a Torah. Not only that, never does Moshe say those words to Amishol. Hello? Can you think of a single place where they clearly says, I'm going to take you out of Egypt, I'm going to bring you to Arsina, and I'm going to give you a Torah? Correct. But isn't, to... the point is, isn't the point is that we want it? Wait, no. just wait. I'm asking one second. This is profound. If you look at Hilchus Avodazar, I did not even put it here because it's just too much. Go back, open up Safaria, who doesn't always translate everything carefully, you know, isn't always perfect translation, so be cautious. But open up Rambam Laws of Idol Worship and just read chapter one. You will get a very interesting retake on all of history. Essentially, Akadosh Baruch Hu created the world and everybody. Everybody, and this Rambam says in Hilchus Malachim, chapter nine, everybody knew and was meant to abide by the six, six mitzvahs, which were to know not to, not to have multiple gods, okay? Not to serve Avodah Zarah. No killing, no stealing, no adultery, to institute fair and just court systems and not to blaspheme, okay? We call it Bir Hashem. And then Ramam says that this, they eventually Avodah Zorah developed because of a mistake that was made about that we should give God servants honor just because God would want that. And then eventually that people like Nimrod originally and many weaponized the concept of giving honor to God's servants and said, God, that servant has spoken to me and they told me what you guys need to do to keep him happy. So you got to listen to me. And they weaponized it. They became dictators. And this whole cult grew up of, of you know, people that sort of represented or, 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 or um, were authorized by the gods to assert power over everybody else. In Egypt, the gods authorized the pharaohs to do whatever they wanted, etc. Okay. Then Ramam goes on to say that finally, finally, after 2,000 years, this person arose named Avraham, and he used his intellect, and he started thinking and inquiry and this and that. At 40 years old, he deconstructed the whole thing, and he realized there's one God, and then he started teaching, and he started telling everybody, he started explaining everything, and he set up institutions, and then he traveled, and he kept traveling and teaching, and he ended up in Canaan, and there he kept teaching, and he had children, and he taught it to Yitzchak, and he taught it to Yaakov. His other children weren't interested, and then Yaakov appointed Levi. This is all in the Rambam, the whole history. And he pointed Levi and told him that Levi must be the teachers of all the family and all the people that the family is influencing. And then they went down to Egypt and Levi main, re, continued their role. They did not, they were not enslaved. They were the teachers. However, because in Mitzrayim, the, the ideology of the Avos was eroding to such an extent because the people were losing their connection and their grip on these Abrahamic ideas and the family legacy. Therefore, Hashem made Moshe and the Ramam says made Moshe. And everybody explains that Moshe was a, was a whole other creation that nobody ever will or did exist like this before. Gave her superhuman prophetic powers, made Moshe, sent them to Egypt, pulled the Jews out, made him a great prophet, and then brought them to Harsinai, where, as we will learn, the Jews were not supposed to even hear the Sarsidibros. 
They're supposed to, Moshe was supposed to get a revelation and then teach the Jews. So what happened here? But then the Jews protested and Hashem spoke to everybody. What happened here? What happened here is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world with enough, with, and created humanity with enough intellect, and we're going to get to that in the Shari Bina, enough intellect to decipher from the world around them, like Avram did, and like Yitzchak did, and like Yaakov did, exactly how we're supposed to live and what God wants and what is God and what, what God is all about and how we're supposed to live. It was already embedded in, 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 in the world that God created. He didn't have to reveal it. It was in the creation. We're going to see that in the Ramban. But the people, as we know, slipped into, you know, the big, the ultimate challenge, slip into survival mode, go blind to the big picture, start putting their own needs first, et cetera, et cetera. It got so bad that although humanity had totally drifted off into Avodah and yet there was one family that sort of regrouped and started recapturing these ideas and started teaching these ideas and influenced everybody, even that family started drifting away until Hashem said, okay, forget it. You know what? Come here, I'm going to take you out of Egypt. I'm going to tell you what you need to know. Really, you should do it on your own, okay? But this is, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm coming into history, I'm breaking into history, and I'm going to just tell you what you need to do and what you need to know, and that's it. So I'm going to give you a safer called the Torah, and then you're going to follow it. So I, what we're really saying is there never was meant to be a one-time event where a Kodesh Baruch Hu would so to speak, break open the heavens and reveal all of these ideas and mitzvahs to the Jewish people, to one nation. That was never supposed to happen. Really, all of humanity, organically, naturally, was meant to live correctly and learn and grow and advance and increase their understanding. And that's what Ramam says in Hilchus Malachim, that first there were six mitzvahs, and then Avram came, Noah came and added another one, Avram and Achai, and then Avram came and added Shachos, but he also added... Um, he also added bris, um, brismila, and then Yitzchak came and he added mincha, but he also added meiser, and Yaakov came and he added marit, but he also added gedanasha, and it continued, and more and more, and more and more, until Moshe, Hashem gave the Torah to Moshe, and he completed all of them. That's the language. Interesting, right? So, so what we're saying here is that, um, that uh, when the Jewish people were taken out of Mitzrayim, all right, when, when we're taken out of Mitzrayim, this is like a intervention in history. Now, Hashem had promised the Avram that he was going to put the Jewish people into Mitzrayim. And then Hashem took them out of Mitzrayim in order to give them a Torah. What's that about? When Avraham discovered, rediscovered, the Ramam calls it makir, recognized. You know, when you recognize something, it's like, aha, it's like I sort of knew this. And then you just get that aha moment. When Avram got it, when he understood it, Hashem, of course, we know, made two covenants with him, bris, the bris mila, but we also made the bris ben absarim. And the bris ben absarim, Avram, Hashem said to Avram, let's put your people into a foreign land and they're going to be persecuted and I'm going to take them out. It's built into the system. And now they came out for the Torah. What? Zoom out. Hashem is saying to Avram, you are the first one after 2,000 years to use your bina to look around the world at the chachma, because by the way, all the cultures have chachma. The Egyptians were geniuses in terms of chachma, natural sciences, mathematics, all of that stuff. But they, they, and they use their bina, their capacity to uh, analyze and to strategize and to man and to implement only for survival mode tech, 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 you know, um, needs. Avram was the first one to come use, look at the same set of information that everyone else had 
and deconstruct it all, analyze it all, say this is not the way we're meant to to relate to it, or and 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 we, there's a whole other type of implementation of Ram says. So Hashem tells Avram, you know what? You're on the right track. The first time Avram got Navu, he was 70 years old. Hashem says, you're on the right track. I want you to spread these ideas, but I'm also going to put your children into exile and they're going to be slaves and they're going to be persecuted. What does one have to do with the other? So what was the key idea that Avraham discovered? And if you look in the Rambam, he says he found the Kav HaTzedek. He found the Derech HaEmes and the Kav HaTzedek, which means he found the concept of, we learned this, by the way, Chesed. He found the idea of all-inclusivity, the idea of the all-inclusivity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, remember? He found the idea that every human being exists as part and parcel of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's existence, which means chesed, which means everybody has within them God's own self-expression, which goes back to everything we always learn. Everybody's a Telmolkim, everybody's an Hashem, and Avram began to treat everybody with chesed. Hashem said, you, just, you got back to the core. You got back to the origin of all things. You got back to understanding what humanity is and what the Bria is. Now, to ensure that this understanding that you are teaching will never be lost from the world, I'm going to do something through your children. You deserve it. You earned it. I'm making a bris with you. It's only going to be through your children. I'm going to do something. I am going to teach this lesson to the world for posterity, for all eternity, through your children. You know how I'm going to teach it? They are going to be exploited and they are going to be enslaved and they are going to be mistreated. And then I will break into history and punish the people that do it. And I will make it very, very clear that this is not tolerated, that you cannot, you cannot dehumanize a person, a person is a Tzalmo Kim, and they're entitled to express themselves, they're entitled to discover how to live and live that way. And if you do it, you will be severely punished. And I will break into the world and make that crystal clear through your children and grandchildren. I will make sure the world knows the lesson that you are trying to teach. Does this make sense? So Hashem comes and take, puts us in Mitzrayim, but takes us out of Mitzrayim in order then to complete the project, give us the Torah, which really, we, ideally, uh, we could have theoretically figured it all out ourselves, like Avram did, and, but Hashem says, I'm going to give him a Torah. And the essence of my revelation in the world and the essence of my um, designation of Amishol, if they agree, to be my partners, my guy Kadosh from Lechaz Konim, is that this is the ultimate message that will come to the world through Am Yisrael. And so that is receiving the Torah is directly intermingled inter with restoring the concept of the Telmolkim of the human being. Okay? Now, that's why it takes us out of Mitzrayim to give us a Torah. Okay? And the concept of the Torah is is essentially the essence of the Torah. What does Rabbi Akiva say? What does Rabbi Akiva say? In our parsha, the Klal Godol Torah. This is the Klal Godol. This is the big general rule of the Torah. It's all about Kavod. It's all about Avad. It's all about Chesed. That is the Klal Godol. He's not saying it's one of the big important rules in the Torah. It's the overarching Klal. Everything's contained in it. Everything's part of that. Everything's an expression of that. So, so now, in the Torah, 50 times, we're Geshari Bina, 49 to 50, 
Do not mistreat the ger, the yasom, the almana. Ger means non-Jew who lives among you. When you're a majority in the country and you have a lot of non-Jews, you must treat them fairly. There's so many laws that apply to treating them, the, the other member, other citizens who are not Jewish fairly because you were slaves in Egypt. So it's repeated endlessly in the Torah. One more thing, I know I'm going off track here, but this is so important. You know how they talk about uh, um, the, the, our time in Egypt as, the, as being in the core habarzel, the crucible, the iron crucible, okay? It's very strange, big question. Everybody should ask a question. Wait, everyone says, what's a core habarzel? What's this big iron crucible? And you put in, you know, um, a metal like gold that's full of impurities and you turn up the heat. And after a while, all the impurities run off and you get the pure gold, right? You all heard that? Do you have a problem with that? Just finding what happened in Mitzrayim? What happened in Mitzrayim is extre extreme opposite of that. We came in pure gold, 70 children of Yaakov, right? And had we come out, 29th level of Tumah, which does not mean we were rapists and murderers and pedophiles. Tumah has nothing to do with their morals and ethics. They were so moral and so ethical that Moshe couldn't even figure out why they were enslaved until he discovered that they are capable of speaking Lush and Haram. So what does Toma mean? Atum, block, they were just, they had lost the understanding of the monotheistic um, breakthroughs of Avraham. Tome is in terms of theology. They didn't understand God anymore the way Avraham and Yitzhak and Yaakov understood it. They, were, had, they had absorbed the Egyptian paganistic culture and they started believing in it and they, that was their frame of reference and that's called Toma. It doesn't mean morally or ethically. They had slipped. They were extremely moral and ethical. The one case of anybody we know that, that is identified in the Torah that they were a little bit crossed the boundaries was the Shlomus Bastivri. The whole different. So, so what does it mean, Kor Habarzel? It doesn't make sense. So I saw in Rebbe's Nechama Libowitz, it's a beautiful idea. Kor Habarzel is a, a pot, it's an uh, oven, a furnace for melting barzel. What do you do when you melt metal like steel or iron? What do you do with the melted iron? You make a precision instrument. That's what happened, Tommy Sol. We became a precision instrument, like a scalpel. Precision instrument to do what? What do we do? We do. We do We do social justice. We do We do the equality of all people. We do the concept of Telmo Kim. That's the precision instrument of Amishol. And just yesterday, the president of Turkey gave the Israeli commander who came to rescue the people in the earthquake from the earthquake an award. That's what we do. We're always there because we believe in the dignity of life, okay? So now back to the Sefer HaChinuch. Everybody knows that we took, that we come out because the goal is Matan Torah. And the Sefer HaChinuch quotes a Pasuk, which I want you to see. This is the proof text he uses to explain why we count Sefirah, okay? That Hashem said to Moshe, this was at the Sneh. Here is a sign that I sent you. When you take the nation out of Mitzrayim, you will serve God on this mountain, which is a veiled reference to eventually what happened at Matan Torah. Okay, even though Matan Torah is never officially mentioned, I will give you a Torah. Even here, the word Ta'avdun 
did not necessarily mean what transpired at Harsinai. But in any case, and we have a whole class about that from years back, but in any case, the proof text is, the reason we count Sphira is because the whole point of Yutiyas Mitzrayim was to give us a Torah, okay? Which would emphasize, as we just said, the key essence of what, what, what this world is all about, how we're supposed to live. In any case, Hashem had promised Moshe, when you come out of Mitzrayim, you're going to come back here, and there's going to be the special moment of Avoda of Hashem. And that's what we're counting towards, okay? Go to the bottom of the page. Because of this, that is the essence of Israel, and because of it were they redeemed and went up to all the greatness to which they rose. We were commanded to tally from the morrow of the holiday of Pesach until the day of the giving of the Torah to show about ourselves, does it remember he said it's Pshat, to show about ourselves the great desire we have for to, to, uh, for the honored day, which our hearts yearn, yearn for like slaves seek shade. Okay, this is a phrase he uses. And always tallies when will come the yearn time when he got out of Edom. So it's safer going to say we're waiting for that time that we're looking forward to, like a slave is waiting to just get a little break in the shade. And that's why we're counting towards Matan Torah. I have a question for you. Between the time we got out of Mitzrayim and the time we got to Arsinai, which was uh, after Kriyas Yamsov, six weeks, were we waiting for Matan Torah? Actually, what were we busy doing? saying, could we please go back to Egypt? Remember that? Well, why don't we all die in the Midbar? It'd be better if we just dropped dead right now, okay? Why did you take us out of Egypt? What is this Nebuchadnezzar saying? We're, it's not the Pshat, that, but this is, this is, you know, the Nebuchadnezzar saying, the simple thing is that we came out of Mitzrayim for Matan Torah, and despite our weaknesses and despite our outbursts, we really were seeking, looking forward to coming to Harsinai, and Therefore, we count up such and such days have passed from the time we started, and we do not tally such and such days that we have to, until that time, because this shows our great desire to get there. And then he says, and you have, you have two questions, okay? Uh, he says, you might have two questions, and he gives answers if you think, okay, so as we get closer, we should say, okay, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, why don't we do that? He says, no, we don't change the nature of it. And if you ask, why do we start counting, for, why don't we start counting from Pesach? I mean, if it's because we got out of Mitzrayim to go to our Sinai, count from Pesach. Why is this not clearly Zechel Yitzhak Mitzrayim? Why are we not? It's the first day since Pesach. It's the second day since Pesach, since Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Why do we start the next day by the Omer? So he gives an answer. Let's not mix up two things. There was the Yitzhak Mitzrayim, and then there was the Karban HaOmer, which was, which was you know, where they would offer in the base of Migdash. And that in, is an event of great joy. And let's not mix up two things. So we start from the Omer. Okay. You see the questions already in the Sefer Chinuch? And the Sefer Chinuch knows there are questions, but he's giving you the Peshach. Now let's go into the Rambam. Right. It's, even, it's a mitzvah that applies when they get to Now let's look very carefully at the Rambam in Mornavuchim 343. And this is the secret weapon over here. This recognition of this, this, he really says, it's unbelievable. His observation. Okay, first of all, if you go on Safari, just beware the the Hebrew they use of the Mornavuchim is not the version that we that I generally use at Hesh uses, which is the Kapach version. Okay. All right, Kapach is the version that that anytime I quote it and I bring something, it's generally a Kapach version. Okay, but not always. But here it is. I just want you to know that because if you look it up more in the book, the language, the Hebrew is a little different. Don't forget, it was translated from the Arabic. Okay. All right. So this is what he says. Let's read the Hebrew. 
Shavuos is the day of Matan Torah. And from the greatness of that day, Uromamuto and its elevated status, Nispru Hayamim, he doesn't say we count, Nispru Hayamim, the days were counted. Minharishon Lachagim from Pesach, from the first of the Chagim, which is called Pesach. So he does link it to Pesach. Adlo until that day. Okay. Now look at these words. Why? What is what is this counting? Kami Shemitzape, like one who is looking forward. Lavoha'afor for the coming, the arrival of his beloved Bibnei Adam among mankind. A love to him is one who is anticipating, looking forward to the, his beloved among mankind to finally arrive at him, to him. What does that sound like? What is, so who's counting? Who's counting the days for their beloved among mankind to finally come to him? Hashem is counting. The Ramam is implying that Hashem is counting. Let's read the words again. Nispru hayamim, the days were counted. Min harishon lechagim, from the first of the of the Yom Tovim, which is Pesach, ad, ad lo, until Shavuos. Kami, like someone, shemitzape, that's looking forward. Levoha ohav b'bnei adam, that they'll be loved from a man, man, that is beloved from a man, from among mankind, will come to him. Clearly, it's Hashem waiting for an Amisol who's from alone among mankind to arrive at Har Sinai. Okay. Shehu Sofer es Hayamim Bishas. He's the one counting the days and the hours. Vizehu Tam Sphiris HaOmer. And that's why we have Sphiris HaOmer. Why? Why do we count? Why would we be counting? We certainly weren't counting in the original story. Could it be the same concept of praising Hashem? It's just to know that he's waiting there for us, and then it makes us, gives us it's that. Mitzvah. There's a mitzvah that we're literally fulfilling when we count. Not only the mitzvah of Omer. What other mitzvah could it be? Hmm? You're very clear. It hasn't, no, it's learned from there. But if Hashem counted the days from Pesach to Shavuot, saying I'm, one day since they left Egypt. Now makes sense. Two days since they left Egypt. Three days from the great Geula. Four days. In other words, they're maturing. They're getting closer. They're growing. They're, they're understanding more and more until they're going to get to Harsinai. Hashem is counting. Why do we count? Sphira, what are we doing when we count? Is it Vahafta Es Hashem? What? Is it Vahafta Es Hashem Not that one, but you're getting close. To emulate Hashem. Excellent. The mitzvah, as we're going to see, the raisa to emulate Hashem. Exactly. We're going to see it in a second. Just be patient. So, v'zehu tam svirus omer. This is the reason for svirus omer. Miyom nituka mimitraim. Look, the language has told, Raman uses very subtle, different language. From the day that they were nituk. What does the word nituk mean? Broken off. Broken off from Egypt. That their attachment to Egypt was was shattered, and they were disconnected from Egypt. Okay, Adio Matan Torah, Hashem did broke them out of the whole Egyptian survival mode. Exactly what Avram had come to teach the world had also shattered that whole thing. Hashem did it. Shahu Hayah Hamatara, 
there was the point, the object, and the tachlis, the purpose of their going out. And then he quotes a pasuk, and he says, as the as the pasuk, we're going to see that pasuk. I will bring you to me. Ramam doesn't use the pasuk that Sefer Chinuch uses, which is when you come out, you're going to come to this mountain and you're going to do avodas Hashem. Ramam picks another pasuk that states that Hashem says, I'm going to bring you to me. And since Mamad Hussein was only one day, we only keep it one day. We keep Shulis one day. Okay. Um, I'm not going to get into that part. Look at the Pasuk that Rambam is quoting, Shemos 19.4. Atem Reisem. This is the proof text for Sirius Omer, for Rambam. Atem Reisem, you've seen. Asher Asisi Limitsrayim, what I did to Egypt. And I will car I carry you on the wings of eagles. We're not going to talk about that now. And I brought you to me. That is Rambam's proof text to Spirit Omer. Now, do what my husband did and count up the words in the puzzle. But and until a lie. Don't include the last word, Eli. What do you got? Count the, no, no, I'm sorry. The letters in the puzzle. Guess how many they are. 49. And the Heshi noticed that. Unbelievable. The Rambam noticed that. The Rambam was saying that the 49 stages, steps between Mitzrayim and Matan Torah till Eli represent the 49 as we're going to see, which is what we do. Shari Bina, or the seven times seven she wrote, and that we go through until we get close to God. But the 50th, okay, the 50th, that's reserved. And that's up until a lie to me, all right, is 49. So Ramam is giving us, implying a whole different understanding of Sphere Somer here. And it makes sense. And it's extremely inspirational. It's that, and it works with the story that a Baruch Hu is waiting, anticipating, I took you out of Egypt. I, I taught this lesson to the world. As Rabbi Sachs says, it, that Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is a divine protest against the violation of the Selma Kim. It's the whole thing. And through that story, because Kaddish Baruch Hu could have used a billion different scenarios, but through the story of slavery and oppression, exploitation and redemption and punishment and justice, only through that scenario did Hashem reveal himself to the world, because that is the big message, okay? And, um, and, br and bring us there. So now let's go deeper. Ready to go deeper? The 49 levels. What are these 49 levels? What are the Shari Bina? At the 50th reserve, what are the seven times seven spheres that since Kabbalah became more and more popular when we were young, nobody did these, uh, these and no one ever heard of it. But as Kabbalah became more and more popular, it's very common. Many, many courses on it. We're deep in the realm of Kabbalah when we're doing those things. What are we doing? Let's talk about that. What are the 49 Shari Bina? If you ever Google which, what are the 49 levels of understanding, you're not going to find a list. The very title, 49 Levels of Understanding, is already confusing. It's a little bit misleading. 
when we talk about Bina, the simplistic interpretation of Bina is understanding. Chachma is the facts, two plus two is four. And Bina is extrapolation. What can I do with this information? Well, if two plus two is four, then I could, what if I, you know, like you go into all the other uh, applications of it. And eventually through mathematics, higher mathematics, higher mathematics, and using the facts, you can be very inventive. You can make a cell phone. You know what I mean? Okay. So everybody thinks about Bina as like understanding the facts. And there is, in a general, simple way, that's true. But there's much more to Bina. Once we're in the spheres, because everybody's doing the spheres anyway in Sphere Soma, right? What is Chachman Bina? And Ramban himself explains this in great depth in, the, in his Hakdama to the Torah, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created with Chachma, created the um, fundamental elements. Ramban has names for it. He Louis, a fundamental element that he brought into existence in the creation of the natural physical world, it was one single sort of um, creation, yesh and something from nothing. And from that original first creation, all other species, all other elements of creation evolved or, or ultimately came from that. So really the one thing he did an initial creation, part of Chachma, and then from that, all the other, everything else sort of was, you know, um, unfolded from that. Chachma is that, as you know, that first initial burst of potential, whereas Bina is sorting out all the many, 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 many elements contained within that original. So the muscle in the human form is Chachma is the male, like a sperm. It has all the DNA in it, okay? And it's a one moment, it bursts into the world, and then the Bina, the female, is taking that very complex single little seed of everything, and sorting out all the endless little applications, all the other, uh, everything that will unfold from that. And you know how complex genetics is, that you have uh, chromosomes that turn on, turn off, turn on. I mean, it's just, how, what will, what precisely will, um, you know, will be unpacked from that original point of everything, okay? So Bina is when, Bina is the entire process of the details emerging from the original, from the origin of the, of the, of the Akadosh Baruch Hu's, um, of Akadosh Baruch Hu's origination of the world. With Chachma, Bina is every little thing that comes from that. Okay, look at Rambam. When Hashem Ramban, it's going to explain to you about Shari Bina now. Right? It's not understanding different concepts. That's not what he's saying. It's the emergence of every other aspect of creation from the original Chachm. So, God informed Moshe first of the manner of creation of heaven and earth and all their hosts. He explained to Moshe the Bria how he created the world, meaning physics. He like gave Moshe a behind-the-scenes look at physics, which is, by the way, Moshe wrote Eov. Eov gets the same thing. Okay, That is the creation of all things high and low. Likewise, he informed him of everything that has been said by prophecy concerning the esoterics of the divine chariot, meaning he showed him what the prophets will eventually see in their states of prophecy, which is similar or but less than Moshe. The background picture of how creation, imagine Lahavdil, what happened before the Big Bang, the Big Bang, what happened after the Big Bang, how everything sort of, how the gases began to coalesce, and eventually how energy and matter came together, and how eventually matter, mass took, you know, uh, energy took on mass, and how matter was created, and the atoms, and like the whole thing, okay? He showed Moshe everything. Moshe was informed about these together with the account of the four forces of the lower world. He shows the minerals, in other words, the inanimate, the vegetation, living, the rational soul. 
with regard all of these matters, their creation, their essence, their powers and functions, and the disintegration of those of them that are destroyed, Moshe, our teacher, was apprised, and all of it was written in the Torah explicitly or by implication. In other words, Moshe knew what the physicists today and the scientists today are haven't even touched the surface of yet. They're just beginning to trying to figure it out. Moshe saw the whole thing. And we're talking about science, the creation of the physical world and the spiritual realm, the milachim and all of these. Okay, now, now our sages have already said, 50 gates of understanding were created in the world. All were transmitted to Moshe with one exception. So now Ramam is going to tell us, Ramban is going to tell us that these Shari Bina are the unpacking of the original Chachma and their manifestation in the different aspects of the physical world. Okay, so concerning the statement of the sages that in creation of the world, there are 50 gates of understanding. It is as if it's, it is said that there is one gate of understanding pertaining to the creation of minerals and forces and their forces and their effects, one gate of understanding pertaining to the creation of vegetation. And similarly, as regards the creation of trees, beasts, fowl, creeping things, and fish, that there pertains to each of In other words, the bina is bane, is, the word bina is bonet to build, and the word bina is bane to distinguish between things. You have this initial burst of everything that will eventually unpack and unfold and become the entire Bria on all its levels, physical, metaphysical, that will ultimately um, emerge in the world. These are the, this is the Bina. This is the manifestation, okay, of that original Chachma. This series of the unfolding of creation into all of its different parts, okay, culminates in creation of the rational soul, okay, for the gate pertaining to this latter creation enables man to contemplate the secret of the soul to know its essence and its power in its palace. He's using a lot of words that you really are understood in context to attain that degree of understanding, which is alluded to in this saying of the stages, sages. And he goes on to say that there's a chachma that you can learn from all the parts of the Bria. And in fact, how do you think Abraham learned about Hashem from the Bria? And Ramosha Shapiro used to say, when we look at any single aspect of the entire Bria, any one of the branches of science, anything that exists, what does this teach me? These are the Share Bina. These are the Share, these, this is what leads us back to an understanding of Avram. And Avram followed this, the understanding of Ram God, and they, he followed this path. He learned from the Bria until he came to a concept that there's a single God, and it's the main driving force is Chesed. And he found the Kav HaTzedek, and it's just righteousness and justice and how to treat other people. He found it. The total number, okay, go to the next bold, of different gates as ascertained by tradition is 50 less one, okay? It is possible that this 50th gate is the knowledge of the creator, okay? And then he says, yes, that's what Moshe asked from Hashem said. Now, the number 49, these 49 Sharibina are alluded to in the Torah in the counting of the Omer and in the counting of the Jubilee, Yovel, okay? So what we're saying here is that when we are going from Mitzrayim to Matan Torah and there's 49 days and the Sharibina and seven times seven spheres and all of that, I mean, we're just touching the surface now. We're just giving an overview. We are, Hashem is saying, they're coming back to me through Ma, the process that I put into the world and through the many, many, many aspects of the creation that I implanted into the world. And they're going to come back to me on that same path using what I already invested in the world to come back to me. 
and I'm waiting and Hashem is anticipating that. Now, one second, I'm going to skip the Torah's a blueprint thing for a second because we're getting late. All right. Let's leave that for a second. How do we start counting sphera? Do we start at the bottom, the seventh sphera, or do we start at the top, the first sphera? We start at Chesed, the top, the way Avram started. Okay, because from Hashem's perspective, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is counting, we're counting, we're emulating Hashem. First, we discover the original origin, the beginning, the main concept, which he broke, he, 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 in, he, um, in, he what's the word, he dramatically impressed upon the world with Yitzhiya Mitzrayim. That was the big first concept of Rome's concept, the concept of inclusivity, the concept of the human being being part of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, B'ni B'chori, uh, playing that role. That was the first thing. And from there we count, like a Kodesh Baruch Hu, as Chachma devolved into Bina, how everything came from that, and Bina into Teferes, the blending, and that into Netzach, and that into Hod, and that into Yisod, and that into Malchus. We're counting exactly the way Hashem sort of set it up. First, you have to see the big picture, and one thing leads to the next until you're going to see the whole the entire story. So we're counting in the same way that a Kodesh Baruch was counting. Obviously, we're just doing a very brief concept here, a, a very overall, overarching concept here. We, we're not going to detail. So let's just look at the blue here. We are not, we were not exactly counting in excitement. Rather, we were protesting. Check out Shemos, Prakim 16 and 17. We wanted to go back to Mitzrayim. Ramam is the only one among the all the people that talk about it that brings the Pasuk about Hashem counting, Hashem bringing us to him, which has 49 letters. Thank you, Heshi, for noticing it. Implying that Hashem is counting until we reach him. We're emulating Hashem's counting. Therefore, we enumerate the 49 levels of Bina or the seven spheres in each of their seven permutations. We start from Chesed because we're coming from not only Hashem's perspective, but how what the first lesson Hashem taught the world and everything unfolds from that. According to the Rambam, therefore, Sefer Omer is a Chalisius Mitzrayim. And, and uh, we know that Shavuos is called Atzeres, and Atzeres is, it's almost like all the days of Sphira are, are actually like culminating Spheras, culminating in Shavuos. Now, let's just quickly do Rabbi Kiva, okay? Tell you something, all right? First of all, here's the mitzvah's assay, the mitzvah to be dome to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's mitzvah, in Rambam, say for mitzvah, mitzvah's assay number eight, he should see, you have to emulate Hashem. You could read further, but that is somebody said it. That's why we count because we're emulating a Kaddish Baruch. Okay. But let's go into Rabbi Kiva. What does this all have to do with it? Let's get practical. In our Parsha, in Kedoshim, lo talkum below Tito, do not take revenge, do not bear grudge against your people via hafta lorecha kamocha. Now, why did Rabbi Kivas tell me to die? Yavamo 62b. Very carefully. Again, the Gemara, every word has to be parsed. Amru, they said. Okay, this is in context of a bigger discussion, but the word is Amru. They said that 12,000 pairs of Talmidim did Rabbi Kiva had. And, uh, and they all died in one time. And that's because they didn't give cover to each other. Now, there's a lot of problems. I put a link here. You could Google it. There's a lot of problems with this statement. First of all, just the sheer numbers. Also, do you know that 24,000 is a very interesting number? Where else do we come up to 24,000 people dying? After Zimri. After Zimri. And you're supposed to do the, the 25 students, you're supposed to do it. After Zimri. 
And when else is 24,000? By Shechem. Now, so Matt, now 24,000 is clearly a, a, a number that is trying to teach something. It's a mystical number. Is it a literal number? Not necessarily. Is it a number trying to say something? Yes, the 24 Sifrei Tanakh, right? My father pointed that out. 24 Sifrei Tanakh, in other words, this is what we call Torah, 24,000. There's a lot of discussion on Akiva, Rabbi Akiva's 24,000 Talmudim. There's a very strong possibility that Rabbi Akiva was the only one who was fooled and supported Bar Kochva. Okay, question why? Very interesting. There's a lot of uh, different approaches. He was a child, some say different, different approaches, but Rabbi Akiva didn't smell it out. He made a mistake. Okay, and he supported Bar Kochva. Everyone else, were, every, the other ones were very hesitant. They did not believe Bar Kochva was, was, you know, legit and, uh, and meant to, you know, that he would succeed and that they, they saw his problems. They saw what, was, what would ultimately happen. Anyway. Rabbi Akiva supported him, okay? The likelihood of Rabbi Akiva having 24,000 Talmidim is very difficult, okay? However, it is very likely that tens of thousands of people follow the Sakalach of Rabbi Akiva, not real students who he taught every single day. Esther. There's an illusion, one second. There are illusions in many, in many sources, ancient sources. That because Rabbi Akiva supported Bar Kochva, many of the people that were, you know, followed his, his halacha and that just followed him as a, as a, you know, they joined the battle. And that battle, they were defeated. And the people, the army was, was the army, the Romans routed the army and killed a lot of people in that, in a very short period of time. This could be speaking about the defeat of the Bar Kochva army. And it's attributing it to Rabbi Kiva, a little bit associated with Rabbi Kiva, that the people in the army died. They were Rabbi Kiva students. Now it's very odd. Rabbi Kiva was the one associated with the Ahavta Larecha Kamocha Zechal What does it mean that his, all his Talmudim violated that? So perhaps we're saying like this why did Bar Kochva get defeated? Why did people who followed the Sakhalach of Rabbi Kiva, you know, that whole, whatever it was, today we have, for example, what do you mean by that? Today you have a yeshivish world, you have a Hasidish world, you have a Sephardi world, we follow different Gedoli Hadar with different Piskei Halacha, so there's a certain camp, okay? And perhaps those were the same people that joined the army and joined Bar Kochva, and then they were all defeated. And they're saying... What, what do we see here? And they say, because they loan Nahagu covered, which could be, if you do start doing the research, why did Bar Kochva get defeated? Why he was had so much potential? Why was his army defeated? Why was this, this mutiny against Rome? Why was it, why didn't it succeed? What was the real reason that a Kodesh Baruch Hu did not grant Amisrael victory? And the real reason is because they were fighting for the political, the political state of Israel, but they didn't have kavod. The essence of what Am Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael is about was missing. They were fighting for their land and for their country, but what we're being told here is, but what God wants and what will give you your land and your country is what it all starts with, which is the concept of kavod, which is what Hashem taught the world at Mitzrayim. You have to give kavod to other human beings. 
And that's chesed, we start the spheres. And so the main agenda today is kavod in Eretz Yishol. Kavod for the people that don't think different, that, that and, and us here, of course, I'm not giving Moser Chas, or not even giving teaching anything to anyone in Eretz Yishol, I'm only re-emphasizing that what a Kaddish Baruch wants from us to come to him, he's trying to bring us to him, to Eretz Yishol, is kavod, people treating each other with kavod, whether they share the same views as us or they disagree with us. Very often when somebody disagrees with their point of view, we get personally angry. We get personally worked up. We start to dislike them as a human being because they don't agree with the way we see things. That line can never be crossed. A person's ideology is a function of the way they were raised. It was a function of their chinuch. It's a function of what happens to them in life. It is not for anyone to assess. You can disagree with somebody's point of view, but chas v'shom to turn that into a personal vendetta. And I think what we're being taught here is that a Kaddish Baruch is waiting for us to come to him in these days of Sphira. We understand that we emulate Hashem's counting. We start with chesed which was Avraham, which is the message you see as Mitzrayim, which is the same message why we lost Eretz Yisrael back then. The lack of that, that is the big idea. And if you had to reduce everything, like Rabbi Kiva said, to one concept, what is Judaism? It would be this concept of Kavod Habrios and, 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 what, and, and, uh, and the idea of Itzel Malkin. I think that is what the underlying message here is. And there are 40, and I just want to end with this last piece, the 49 stages is when you look around the Bria, we're meant to learn from every single part of the Bria, from the grand to the smaller and smaller, 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 some sort of message that reinforces the concept of kavod. Now that's an interesting investigation. How does the way a spider work reinforce the concept of kavod? And how does the fact that a lion, that a, the tiger eats a zebra, like in the Bria, there is supposed to be a message of kavod, okay? And very interesting, there's a lot to talk about that. Should lions really be killing, tigers killing zebras? How did that all start, that animals kill each other? Where does that even come from? When did that even begin? Was that the way Hashem created the world? The answer is no. So go back, right? How did we get to where we are today? And what's the path back? And until eventually when you get to Mashiach, Ben David, who's born on Shavuos, guess what? Animals don't kill each other. The lion lives with the lamb. And it said the nature of things changed. There is, there is, a, there is a restoration of kavod. All right, everybody. Lots to, uh, lots to digest. I'm going to end Esther, the record. Yeah. Can I just ask something? Remember yes. how um, Rabbi Schwab said in his Agata about, remember about the, the Choshech and the darkness and that maybe the potential of those one-fifth yes, exactly. didn't get out could be this 24,000 of yes, his students? Yes. You're, you're saying something I just discussed with my father, by the way. My father gives a share to her anytime Rabbi Yosef Chaim Schwab says so many interesting things. We were talking about that. A lot of times numbers in the Torah are not literal numbers. Okay? So for example, when it says, Hamushim Olum in Haaret, so Rashi says, Pshat, they came up armed. Shh. Somebody's on the phone over there. Rashi says, Pshat, they came up armed. And he says, then let me tell you a medrash. That four-fifths died in, in the Choshech. Now, just the numbers don't work out. Going at the most minimalist number, that 600,000 
men between the age of 20 to 60 left Mitzrayim, you multiply it by women and children, you get about 2 million. That was one fifth. There were 10 million Jews in Egypt. There probably weren't 10 million people in the world. Maybe. So what is it? So my grandfather says, not a, this, this medish is telling us something. No, of course not. He said, not maybe no one died or maybe two or three people died. But he says that the, that four fifths of the people they 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 were they 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 died in the cultural assimilation of Mitzrayim. They couldn't get the Mitzrayim out of them. You have and and he says that uh, that um, he also says that even if two or three people died, the the and he brings a precedent for that from another source. Had they lived and had children and children and grandchildren, etc., there would have been an enormous quantity of people. But also the fact that you see in the Mitzrayim all the complaints that we just talked about. They, they 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 were overwhelmed by Mitzrayim. They died spiritually in Mitzrayim to, to almost to a, almost completely, and Moshe had to do a very hard, a lot of work to bring them back and to reju re, re, so to speak resurrect them. Moshe worked very hard to spiritually resurrect them. So that number, you know, by Rivka Mara, three years old, my grandfather says can't be, and he, he does the calculations. She was fifteen. Explain. So all these numbers in the Torah, Torah often uses numbers that are really more allegorical than literal. So let's um, do start doing the research about Arikiva and the students of Barkochva and the twelve thousand and twenty-four thousand and all that. You'll see very interesting things. In any case, the real question, Chazal, and they said, says Amru, they say that Rabbi Kiva had twelve thousand. Meaning, the way they used to explain it was, why did we lose this war? Why did Barcoco feel fail? Because people were not, they they violated this big, this big main idea of Rabbi Kiva. They're, the real reason the war failed and the real reason we lost the land of Israel is because spiritually we didn't deserve, we didn't, we couldn't hold on to it because it requires us to have a certain degree of basic emulation of God, basic midav chesed. And we and we that we had uh, deteriorated in that way. All right. That's a question. We're not supposed to count. By the way, let's let's just be Malamit's chos on Eretz Yisrael today on this very important two days. Let's be Malamit's chos. There is so much chesed in Eretz Yisrael, and you should. And there is so much care uh, of in a real way. And Kesher Yudit Tzili Schneider was just here yesterday. Her, it's of course more important than ever, and of course her organization is is just thriving beautifully. Um, you know how you know her organization is thriving. Because she has 70 people that she has to give a paycheck to every single week. Okay, 70 employees. It's unbelievable. And now they're in Ben Gurion University. They're in 29 Mechinot. It's unbelievable. But there's tremendous chesed There's tremendous growing kavod. You heard the speech yesterday of the minister of, what did, was she was the minister of what? Minister of Information, respecting the Haredim and the Talmud Hamim and the Chaylim. Unbelievable. I'll post it on the chats if someone didn't see it. It is unbelievable. And uh, finally, and so Mir Tashem, we are hopefully aware of what's required and working towards what's required, and um, and hopefully and hopefully won't make them the same mistake. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Well, everyone knows the Chorban Bayesheni was Tinas Chinam, right? It's the opposite of Kavod. So this is the big deal. If we want to hold on to, we have a 75th anniversary. What we're learning here might be saying that the, the secret 
ingredient is kavod. It's not ta- it's not anybody. It's not just being a tamachacham or just being a, a soldier. It's both camps. The essence, the secret ingredient is kavod, and wherever it's missing, it's very dangerous. And all of us. Yeah. That's interesting. I think twenty. You mean by Harsinai? Can you repeat what you said? Um, what's your name? Levana, 24,000 malachim. Uh, when we pray, I think you're referring to the malach. I have to look it up. About I think in Harsinai, they put crowns on their heads for Nasim. Was that 24,000? Am I making a mistake? It says 24,000? I don't know. Usually, Revavos is 22,000, which is a different magical number. Um, uh, the 22 letters of the Al- Aleph base. 24 is interesting. The one big 24 number we have is a Sifrei, tan- sifrei Tanakh. We have 24 Sifrei Tanakh. That's a big 24. And that makes a lot of sense because that's a Kodesh Baruch Hu speaking through Nevi'im and Nisims to the world about what it's all about. And you know what? Till today, the, 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 by the, you know, before the Chorban, the Nevi'im Achorim thundered all about justice. Right, I and this is just to to beat we beat a a beaten horse, okay? To beat a what is it called? In this new culture today of wokeness, the definition of woke is a extreme sensitivity to prejudice, racism, injustice, etc. Beautiful. Okay, people can weaponize it and use it against us, against the people that not only brought this very concept to the world. Okay, literally, we brought this concept to the world through being enslaved. Hello, we were enslaved so that Hashem could teach the world this concept. Okay, about the evil of injustice and racism and and prejudice and and dehumanization. So don't lecture us on being woke. Okay, on the and not only that, we have we have upheld this concept through thousands of years of everybody around us trying to rip it out of us because they didn't want to hear it. They wanted to live in survival of the fittest and they wanted to exploit every single person they could and they wanted to have a caste system and they wanted to have dictatorships and that's how the world wanted to live for a very long time. And the people that were strong enough to do it, did it. And we were the only ones saying no. And Hitler himself just recently said the Jews are the conscience of mankind. They don't like it. So we started it. And it came through us. And that's why Am Yisrael have a special brisk with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, because we endure a lot for everybody out there so they can finally, one day after thousands of years, wake up and recognize that, you know, maybe it is the right way to live, to treat everyone with dignity. And if the world is waking up today to that concept, it's only because Am Yisrael sacrificed for it for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And Hashem taught that to the world through Am Yisrael which is, by the way, something we say every single day in Shon Esrei. Umevi goel libnei b'neihem laman shemo b'yahava. What are we saying? Hashem will bring redemption, and we know bigger than you see us from even more spectacular, libnei b'neihem to the ch- children, the grandchildren, the descendants of the Avasimos, laman shemo, for his name's sake, b'yahava, out of love for them. Which one? Is Hashem going to redeem us to prove who he is, like he did in Mitzrayim? Or out of love for us, which one is it? And the answer is both. But what do you mean both? There is no greater love. I think of Yaakov Emden says this. 
in a sitter. There is no greater display of love of Hashem for Amishol that he made a promise that he will only be revealed. In other words, people, humanity will only come to recognize the Kaddish Baruch Hu and the overarching principle of chesed, which means the inclusivity of all of creation within the everythingness of the Kaddish Baruch Hu, which means the telemelechim of every person, that the world will never come to know this other through the great miraculous stories of the Jewish people. It'll only come through some story involving Amishol that teaches this lesson. It will be through us. And that's the greatest Ava. So, so um, yeah, the idea, we come back to the main idea of Kavod. If we don't have Kavod, it means we're missing the beginning, the middle, and the end of the story. All right, everyone. Now, I'm Esther, too big to uh, post. Hold on, I'm stopping the recording, but I'm leaving the meeting on, okay?